Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages Florida podcast. In this show we talk to leaders in the community, leaders of clubs and interesting folks who live here in the villages, to give perspectives of what is happening here in the villages. We hope to add a new episode most Fridays at 9am. We are a listener-supported podcast. You can become a supporter for as little as $3 per month, or you can choose to pay more. To become a supporter go to openforminthevillages.com and click on support in the black box. There will be shoutouts for supporters in episodes. In season 4, we have made some dramatic improvements and changes. First is a clarification of the podcast's title. It is Open Forum in the Villages Florida to make clear that this is a regional show, independently produced for folks who live in Central Florida and the Villages areas. Second is a dramatic increase in the use of AI in the creation of each episode. These include a transcript of each show. Please understand that there may be errors inserted by the AI that may not be caught before the transcript is published. However, this is a dramatic step forward. We will now include chapter markers for each show. The show description text will be AI-generated. In fact, the show's announcers are now all AI voices, including me, Emily. Hope you enjoy. This is Mike Roth. I'm here with Alex Santoriello. Oh, nice to be here, Michael. Thanks for having me. Great, great. Alex, <laughs> I know you've had a, a, a good reputation here in the villages in uh-huh. the performing arts. Uh-huh. Uh, why don't you tell the, our listeners what you did before you got here to the villages and where you came from? Immediately before I came to the villages, I lived in Barbados. I owned a nightclub. It was a piano bar mm-hmm. and restaurant. We served sushi and had a teppanyaki table. So it was all kind of, uh, it was all a show. Mm-hmm. As and, you could say. Yeah. Right, right. And did you play the piano in the piano bar? Ah, uh, no, only the one song. So, so Alex, did you play the piano in the piano bar? <laughs> we, I played the piano. I played Piano Man almost every night that I was in the bar. Um, people actually thought that I played piano because of that. But in truth, I only play one song by heart, and that's Piano Man. Okay, that's good. And before Barbados, where were you? In New York. I owned and operated the only parasailing company in New York City history. Mm -hmm. And I actually did it for the purpose of of trying to fly aerial advertising banners around the city. But I ended up getting entangled with New York City for a long period of time. And so that actually... the business ended same time as the World Trade Center came down. And okay. back, I had been operating in the Hudson River, mm-hmm. so I couldn't do that anymore. Right. And I ended up going to Barbados again for the third time where I had been doing concerts every year. And I met a person, or I met a girl, and uh, moved there. That's how I got to Barbados. Okay, good. And I understand you fly a plane, too. How did you, a fella in show business. How do I fly it? Uh, no, no. How did you get involved with flying? I mean, it's, it's a kind of different art form in my it's opinion. Very interesting. Flash Gordon uh, represents two very important things in my life. First of all, the idea of exploration and flying. And the other thing was fabulous music. Um, I obviously loved the, the old serial, the one Larry Buster Crab was in, you know, from the old days, the serial. I, I Buster was, Crab I was, was the hero. I was enamored with, with that in the Buck Rogers series. But oh, Ming the Merciless was the villain. Oh, he was great. <laughs> uh, Ray Middleton, I think, that, is that his was, name. At one day, you know, my father came down into the rec room. It was a Sunday. Flash Gordon was on Sunday for like a half an hour. And, and I turned it on, and my father came down and said, you're not watching this crap. And he went to go put the stereo on, the hi-fi. Right. didn't have stereo back then. So he goes to put a record on, and I storm off to my room, and I'm up there, like, brooding, really, I'm not happy about this. And all of a sudden, I hear the Flash Gordon music come on. 
And I go, oh, he's relented. <laughs> so I run down and I plop my butt in front of the television and the screen is black. And it was my first realization that it was the music really that propelled the whole the whole story. And it was all the old classics. Mm-hmm. So they were all uh, public domain. Nobody had to pay any money for them. They just used the used the pieces and recorded them for the serials. And, and I said, oh, that was my first connection that music was so amazing. And, it was my, and my connection to flying as well. But okay. Sky, Sky King didn't hurt. Sky King, that was a good father, one too. And my father was in the Air Force. So we oh, had, okay. You know, we had pictures of planes and things like that. When was the first time you got into a cockpit? Into the cockpit? Yeah. Um, 1976 when I started to learn how to fly. Mm-hmm. Did you do it as a hobby or as a business? No, I did it because I wanted to learn how to fly. Oh, I, okay. I had, had wanted to become a helicopter pilot, but I was told I couldn't do it because I had signed a bonus agreement to be combat arms. So I had I was stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't do that. So I learned to fly on post mm-hmm. at the flying club. Okay. And it was only $800. Remember, that was when fuel was like 25 cents a gallon oh, or man. something like that. And, and the planes only cost you like... Nineteen dollars to rent for everything for an was, hour. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I learned to fly in Kansas, where if something went wrong, I could land anywhere because there's hardly any trees out there. Sorry. Where did you learn you to, to fly again? Kansas. Kansas. Oh, in Kansas. Fort Riley, Kansas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so everything was flat. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Very few trees, you know. It's like, okay, we're going to give this property one tree. You can have two. You can negotiate. Maybe next year you can get a little seedling and, you know, you can grow one of your own. But there's not a lot of trees out there. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. pretty flat. Yeah. When I was uh, old enough to think about it, I, I bought one of those uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator games and discovered that, oh, it was real easy to take off. Oh, but I crashed 100% of the time. <laughs> well, landing is difficult. Landing oh. is the most most difficult part of the whole process. That's when you, you know, as a flight instructor, uh, you, you go out there and you say, "What's the, what are you going to accomplish today? <laughs> I'm not going to let my student kill me. <laughs> Very simple. You could do a lot of things up in the air, but when you get close to the ground, things get, you know, you, you have your hands under, you're sitting with your hands underneath your butt, uh-huh. ready to grab the wheel any moment, you know. <laughs> but you don't want to really be up there like with your hands on your lap going, okay, <laughs> okay. You don't want to look like you're anticipating that you know the student is going to try and kill you this time around, you know. So you're a rated flight instructor as well. Yeah. And that means you're, you have instrument ratings too. Uh, I do. Okay. What's the longest flight you've ever taken? Mm-hmm. Charles Lindbergh question. Uh, no, actually, I, I, I was on tour with cats and I was – I had rented a plane that I was flying. I had it for about four months from city to city. And mm-hmm. I would fly cats from city to city or fly back to the home, back to New York City. Sure. You know, for the weekend, you know, for we had a day and a half, a half off. Uh, and I had a fl- one show in Newfoundland in St. John's. Mm. And it was, a f- if I remember, it was a five-hour flight from St. John's, Newfoundland to St. John's, New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from St. John to Teterboro. Where my home airport was another four okay. hours. That was, and of course we started around um, I don't know nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night. So we didn't get to New York until four in the morning. Oh, it was long. It was brutal. Long. It was long. And on, on approach, the, the whole thing was fogged in. And sure, it wouldn't be easy. <laughs> no, well, no. And I'm coming in. It was beautiful. It was very smooth because it was like a low lying cloud layer, but couldn't see the ground. So you had to fly. You had to land on instruments and. And so uh, as I'm shooting the final approach, it's like I have it on autopilot and I'm thinking, okay, 
Uh, you're going to do all the job right now. And, and it coming up to the final approach course where you've got to turn left. The plane is supposed to turn left, well, it doesn't. And it's getting ready to go outside of the, the range. It's mm-hmm. like it's got like a 10-degree range, one side or the other of the localizer line. And if you go either side, you're supposed to abort and go back out to the VOR and do another thing. And do make another another, pass. Man, I'm like, I'm a nine-hours flying airplane. I don't want to do this. So I grabbed that plane, turned it over on its side, and I said, you are landing right here. Never never, never peg the, the marker. Mm-hmm. And, and it, was a, it was a beautiful thing. Well, you had a lot of experience by that point in time. <laughs> yeah. And you became a boat captain. That's also a licensed uh, occupation or requirement, isn't it? Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I actually have a, a U.S. Coast Guard Master's license, a 100-ton license mm-hmm. with auxiliary sail and towing, things like that. And I also have a United Kingdom license, a 200-ton Yachtmaster license, and I'm commercially qualified to operate vessels anywhere in the world for hire. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. How often do you do that every year? I did eight deliveries last year. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, I think I only did three or four. Mm-hmm. It's a short season because uh, uh, the granddaughter's in town. And uh, so we cut the season short so we could go off to Dollywood uh, this last week. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. And you're still doing the boat captain thing. That's a mm-hmm. perpetual license? No, I have to keep so many days on the water over a period of time and yeah so you, you continue to renew it you take a medical exam and mm-hmm. same thing for the pilot's license every two years i have to re- redo my my written exam for flight instructor so you learned about power of music from watching or listening to bust the crab music on flash gordon how'd you get into show business the first time well there was an audition in high school for Fiddler on the Roof. And mm-hmm. uh, people said, well, why don't you audition? Because I was in like the chorus. Of, mm-hmm. uh, and so I went and auditioned and I got the part. Uh, Muffle the Taylor. Muffle the Taylor. Muffle. I, uh, yeah. And uh, I learned some really valuable things. But, you know, I mean, just basic stuff like stand still. And if you don't stand still, I'll nail your feet to the floor. And <laughs> and, uh, and don't fig leaf, you know. Don't put your hands in front of yourself. Right. Like, you know. Yeah, a couple of basic rules, you know. And, uh, uh, and, and I ended up getting the part. And then that was one show. And then next year I got another one. And I got another one. But I'll never forget the, the kid uh, that I got the part rather than him getting it said to me break a leg mm-hmm. and i went home to my mother and i went kid is horrible i think he's so upset that you know i got the part that he told me to break <laughs> hopes i break a leg and my mother says no 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 no, no. That's, that's that's not what he means he means good luck you know what break a leg means stage talk i know but do you know where it come from no, I don't know where it comes you from. You know, it's like, you know, things like you hear people say merde, you know, which in French means shit. Okay. You know, and people say, well, why do you say merde? Well, you don't want to tell a dancer, break a leg. <laughs> <laughs> break a leg comes from the old days when they used to slam the chairs on the ground rather than clap. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Break a chair leg. Yeah, break a leg. That uh-huh. means they're so excited about you. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Do you have any show business experiences that you had before you came to the villages that you'd like to share with our uh, audience? Good or bad? <laughs> Both types. Um, I've, I've been very blessed. I managed to break into the Broadway, into Broadway as an actor, as a singer, really. As a singer. And an actor. I, fortunately, it was a, it was not, I always felt that the show business is very cliquish. Everybody knows so many people. So mm-hmm. if, it, it's mm-hmm. very rare when someone new gets the opportunity to participate Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt really lucky because they were out of towners. You know, it was mm-hmm. Trevor Nunn and John Caird from the Royal Shakespeare Company from England, mm-hmm. and so they didn't have this set click 
mm-hmm. like most of the American directors who have been here a long time. So I was really lucky. I think that was a major reason that I was fortunate enough to get cast in the original company of Les Mis on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And of course, I was really lucky because I was born with a voice. Mm-hmm. I certainly wasn't ever very disciplined, mm-hmm. you know. You didn't take singing lessons? No. And let's take a quick break here and listen to a Alzheimer's tip from Dr. Craig Curtis. Dr. Curtis, we, I've heard that exercise can help your brain. What type of exercises should people be doing? Well, the good news is it doesn't take a lot of heavy exercise to make the brain healthier. Right now, the U.S. government recommends approximately 150 minutes per week, so 30 minutes, five days a week, of a moderate intensity exercise, such as walking. So something as simple as walking, 30 minutes a day, five days a week, can improve your brain health. With over 20 years of experience studying brain health, Dr. Curtis's goal is to educate the village's community on how to live a longer, healthier life. To learn more, visit his website, craigcurtismd.com or call 352 Five zero zero five two five two to attend a free seminar. What year did you December get to December the- twenty fourteen? I brought uh, my wife Karen's and my boat up from Barbados and delivered it to St. John's Madera Beach mm-hmm. over there on the west coast and parked it up there and then uh, came and uh, moved into the villages, moved mm-hmm. all of our stuff in, came beginning of twenty fifteen. How do you hear about it, the villages? My dad lived here. Oh, well, that'll do it. <laughs> my dad and my mom lived here. My, my mom had passed a, a couple years before, and I figured um, I'd go up and ruin the rest of my father's life, which apparently I've done a very good job of. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And after you got here, you started producing shows. Uh, yeah, I've been very fortunate. Um, what uh, what shows have you done here in the villages? Uh, let's see. The first one I did was Man of La Mancha mm-hmm. with uh, uh, Joan Napton, who is my partner for the last seven years. And we just actually did the show again last past March. Okay. I thought I thought you did that more yeah, than once. Yeah, we did it. We did it. It was the first show we did together mm-hmm. in a long time. So. Mm-hmm. What other shows did you do? Jesus Christ Superstar, Evita, My Fair Lady, uh, mm-hmm. Sweeney Todd, mm-hmm. uh, Grease, Mamma Mia, West Side Story, uh, oh, which brings us to our next show, which is going to be Grumpy Old Men. And why Grumpy Old Men? Well, grumpy Old Men is... Well, it's, it's the villages. <laughs> you got it. we got Grumpy Old Men. It seems <laughs> very well suited. It's a very funny story. Um, it's a touching story. Uh, it was a very popular movie. And uh, ironically enough, the people who are involved in the show are both friends of mine. The mm-hmm. fellow who, whose idea it was originally, Jeff Gardner, he was... Uh, kind enough to let me uh, couch surf uh, for quite a while mm-hmm. um, at his uh, apartment in New York while he was actually getting this underway as a producer. Mm-hmm. And he put all of his money and his heart and his soul into it, and he brought on board uh, another really good friend of mine, Neil Berg, to compose the music. And Nick brought Nick Meglin, uh, Neil brought Nick Meglin on, who was the editor from Mad Magazine back in the old days. And uh, and Dan Ramis to uh, do the book, who's uh, a really terrific uh, playwright. So the three of them are credited now mm-hmm. with the show that's been very successful across the country. It's it's a lovely show. It's really well written. And, How many songs uh, are there? I don't know. I don't know. Seventeen. Round Seventeen 18, songs. I yeah. don't know. It's like a normal musical. Normal musical. So yeah. it's about. Two and a half hours long? I hope not. How long do you think it's going to I be? I hope it's going to be, t- uh, I don't know, Mitch, you know what? It might be two, fifteen, two and a half, mm-hmm. maybe less. I like to try and bring them in as fast as I can. I tr- 
got to keep the pace of a show up. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big stickler for trying to have scene changes very, very quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the challenges with Grumpy Old Men is uh, is that there's a lot of, it's a very cinematic, so it goes from scene to scene, jump, 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 and how are you going to change those scenes and keep the thing so that this, the, the pace of the show moves so that by the time the next scene starts, you still remember what happened in the last scene, mm-hmm. you know? I was like, oh, but you know, the scene change was so entertaining, I forgot <laughs> We do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes they're like that, you know. A little bit of improvisation during scene changes. Oh, well, well. <laughs> uh, you know, it's always great because, you know, sometimes they video these things and you see like somebody laying in costumes walking across the stage. And of course, they happen to just be in the spotlight and they walk across and it's like, and, and they do the obvious. <clears throat> Don't just skirt across. But when you do, you realize you're in the spotlight, turn, wave and keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, great spotlight people have the light off or the aperture closed. No, it was actually on someone else downstage at the time. But the costume piece had to get to the other side of the stage. So, you know, know, so I guess Les Mis was my my greatest showbiz experience Mm because it was such an amazing work. Groundbreaking, if you will. I understand you were with Cats, too. I did the tour of Cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, How long were you with Cats? A year, man. A year on the road playing Gus the Theater Cat. I have played in my time every possible part. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, have I ever. <laughs> Is there any m- musical or show that you've been in that you wish you hadn't uh, taken the gig? Oh, not that I can think of. I'm really good at putting things out of my mind that are disturbing. <laughs> You know, most of my experiences have been really great. One of the the coolest things in my life is that uh, my sister wrote a Broadway musical. She wrote the book, music, and the lyrics for the the show, Yeah, Tell of Two Cities. She took it from Dickens and adapted Mm -hmm. it. And so that's probably one of the... Didn't have to pay him royalties, huh? No, that was exactly (laughs) why I was chosen. Um, But, uh, you know, I had the privilege of working on on that with her from the beginning and uh finally it made it to broadway but unfortunately it made it there at a terrible time mm. from uh the economic standpoint was 2008 mm. and uh it was a nightmare at that particular point so there but it's a- still playing all over the place around the world and Mm-hmm. So picking up on the the idea of grumpy old men when is that going to be available for tickets Well uh, August 16th uh the show goes on sale Mhm and that's through the village's box office? Yeah, online or uh, at the box office. And what are the performance dates for our audience? 25, 26, and 27 October. Mm-hmm. Okay. And putting your prestidigitator's hat on and looking into the future. Press what hat? Prestidigitation, you know. Looking into the future, what shows do you think you might be involved with here in the villages beyond the data? D- the dirty old man. Well, I can tell you, partner, that we no stop, no, don't go down that road. Um, I know that we're going to be doing Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, uh, KC Productions, going to oh, be doing Dirty Rotten a- Scoundrels in March, and uh, of course, uh, Pro Am Productions will be doing its Carols by Candlelight again, mm-hmm. uh, beginning of December. Uh, mm-hmm. Something I've done every year for seven years. This will be the seventh year for Rotary mm-hmm. Rotary Club. The Village is noon. And, um, and then I got a couple concerts coming up in January. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do with them yet. And then um, Scoundrels, and then a couple more concerts in April. And then I think we're going to do the Fantastics in May. 
Oh, now that that is a classic, fantastic show. It is. Uh, it's got some great music. People don't uh, don't really remember. I mean, like things like "Soon It's Gonna Rain." I can feel it. Soon it's gonna rain. I can tell. Yeah. Soon it's gonna rain. What are we gonna do? And uh, it's things like "Try to Remember the Kind of September." When life was old and oh so mellow. And so it's got great, great music great. and a great little story to it. And First time I saw that, I saw it in Greenwich Village when I was going to college. Took my girlfriend out there for a date. Yeah. And saw it in a little theater in Greenwich Village. Of course. Sullivan and, Street. Yeah. And then it there. played at the Black Box here a couple of years ago. Did it? Yeah. I can't recall if it I, did. I remember seeing it, yeah. Did it? Oh, okay, cool. They oh, did cool. a beautiful job. Oh, I bet. It's a perfect, perfect show for... For a black box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. They have a lot of wonderful talent down there at the studio. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great little a great little operation. So I saw Dirty Rotten Scoundrels on Broadway mm-hmm. with John Lithgow. Mm-hmm. And something happened during the show, which I thought was either ad-libbed or amazing, amazingly written. At the end of Act 1, two guys are sitting at a table talking and some stuff goes on. And the curtain comes down on Act 1. And Act 2 begins... This is the same table and the same two guys sitting at the table. And Lithgow gets up from the table and talks to the audience. And he says, you know, I enjoyed that scene so much. We're going to do it again. And they repeat the last scene of Act 1 at the beginning of Act 2. Is that written in or did it, was that an ad lib? Probably. Probably an ad lib? No, probably written in. Probably written in? There are cues, you know. <laughs> Cues? Yes, lighting cues, sound cues, and things like that. So everybody would have to be on the same page oh. in order to accomplish that. So Okay, the playbook uh, for the uh, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it would have to be written in. But the way he did it, it seemed... It's not like a live concert where you go, Hey, I really like that. You want me to do that song again? Come on, band, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, you okay. Know, like, make those lights good. You know, No, it's a little bit different, I think. Um, I'm sure it's written in. I have to take a look at the script now that you mentioned it to me. Because I thought that was just phenomenal. And okay, the audience well, loved it. Don't, 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 I think we should edit that out so that everyone will think that I am brilliant when it happens and go, oh my God, that was so cool. Well, you'd have to re- take a quick read on the script and call me in the next couple of days and say whether or not it was an ad lib or a real <laughs> thing in the script. Oh, uh, there'll be a disclaimer at the end of this anyway. And what will the disclaimer say? I have no idea, but you better have a good one. <laughs> oh, I don't know how to write a disclaimer. I don't know. So far, this is pretty tame. This, this. Oh, this is you. much better. This is much better. Oh, I'm glad you like it. I'm here for your... I am here to satisfy your desires. Okay. And, and keep our newses clean. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I'm doing my best. Yeah. Was, I had to explain to my grandchild that that, that word, S-H-I-T, is not a bad word. It means ship... High in transit. In the old days, they used to put things down in the hold that potentially would get wet. And when they got wet, they would sort of, you know, uh, turn gaseous. And when somebody would get down there because they didn't have electric lights, they would go down there with a torch. And it would blow. And the whole thing would blow. (laughs) Okay, so they started to put S-H-I-T. And so people would say, put the shit up there. I mean, (laughs) I'm just telling you, this is where the word originates. got nothing to do with poo-poo. I don't know how it got to that point. I'm sorry. Let me get back on the rails. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that part's going to wind up in the toilet. That's too, that's too bad because that was good. That was a good that piece. That was fun. I think it should yeah. stay. 
I'll take your word for it. Alex, thanks for joining us today on Open Forum in the Villages, and I'm sure all of our listeners will show up to fill the house at Grumpy Old Men. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you having me on. Take care. Remember, our next episode will be released next Friday at 9 a.m. Should you want to become a major supporter of the show or have questions, please contact us at mike at rothvoice.com. This is a shout-out for supporters, Greg Pangian, Tweet Coleman, Dan Capellan, Ed Williams, Alvin Stenzel, and major supporter Dr. Craig Curtis at K2 in the Villages. We will be hearing more from Dr. Curtis with short Alzheimer's tips each week. If you know someone who should be on the show, contact us at mike at rothvoice.com. We thank everyone for listening to the show. The content of the show is copyrighted by Roth Voice 2023. All rights reserved.